Hello, welcome to the podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm Todd Starnes and have the privilege to be the lead pastor. Thank you for joining us for this series, God With Us. Let's jump right in to this week's message. So this morning we're starting a new series called God With Us. God With Us over the next uh, three weeks, of course, closing that on Christmas Sunday. And uh, this is one of my favorite times of year. I'm one of those people, I can watch Christmas movies and listen to Christmas music all year long. All of you weird people that says it can't happen before Thanksgiving, you just don't know. You just don't know. So um, I was even telling the the guys earlier out in the foyer that uh, um, at my in-law's farmhouse, it's already decorated for Christmas. It looks awesome. Um, of course, we did it the easy way because we never took it down from last year. So, but it's the farmhouse, so nobody's out there but us. But uh, so, I, it, when I was out there, you know, even in the summer, and uh, I'd plug in the Christmas lights because I like it. So, but I love Christmas. I love this season. Love this time of year, and also love what it represents. And so, as we jump in this morning, let's let's pray before we start, Father. We thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank, for your, thank you for your presence. We pray today, as we always pray, Lord, that you would soften and ready our hearts to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 2. So this morning, the series is called God With Us, but specifically this morning, the sermon is called Wise Men Still Seek Him. Wise Men Still Seek Seek him. And so I want to talk about that just for a few moments this morning, starting in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And so if you are, uh, and just to remind me, if you have the Version Bible app, you can go there and click more. Use it on the bottom right hand of the screen if you have the Bible app, and it'll pull up our events, and it'll show churches with uh, uh, what's going on. But you can click our church, and the sermon notes are there. Um, they're also at, if you go to odessafirst.com and click watch live, you can find the notes there as well. But some of you I know have your binders and you're filling the notes. But all that to say, if you are one that is a, a, a you know, you write in your Bible or underline or highlight, I, I think that is fine and okay. And so I'm going to emphasize a few things. You may want to do that. You may just want to make note or you can also highlight it in the Bible app. But I just kind of want to point out some things as we read this. But Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod about that time, some wise men from eastern lands, and that's one of those things I wanted to emphasize, wise men from eastern lands, uh, just so you know, we don't know how many wise men we were. I know the song says, we three kings, and, and uh, I know that uh, a lot of people bring that down as to three men, and the reason for that is because there's three gifts but we actually don't know. They say there could have been one wise man, or I, it does say men, so I believe there was more than that. But some believe there was even an entourage of in the 20s of how many came, and they were coming from Persia. But about that time, three men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. Notice they didn't arrive in Bethlehem, but they arrived in Jerusalem. What we also know is this is... Um, it probably took them six to nine months to get to Jerusalem, and also they probably stayed in Jerusalem for a little while. We'll talk more of that in just a moment. And so this is not when Jesus was a baby in the manger. Now, 
if there's nothing wrong with having your wise men in your nativity set. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that, but they were not there. Okay, so just to be accurate, they were not there. And so Matthew 2, 1, so he was born in Bethlehem, days of Herod the king, wise men from Jerusalem. Verse 2, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we came to worship him. Notice it says, we came to do what? We came to worship him. And so there's also this star that it talks about. And, you know, I'm actually going to open that up just a little more in just a moment. Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this because King Herod considered himself as really as a god and didn't want worship to go to anybody else. He had temples dedicated to him. If you remember some time ago, we went through the church, the book of Revelation and the, and the seven churches, and there was emperor worship taking place in the, in that, during that time period. And he was deeply disturbed, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And so the, what happened was, so here comes the wise men, it's six to nine months to get to Jerusalem, and they probably stayed in Jerusalem another two or three months. Verse 4, he called a meeting with the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? And of course, this understand this is not happening when he is a baby. This is happening. He's probably, Jesus at this point, 18 months, two, two and a half years old. Um, he said, where for the prophet, uh, in Bethlehem and Judea, they said, verse 5, for this is what the prophet wrote in verse 6. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for the ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. And this is an actual quote. If you want to write it down, or um, I'm not going to go on the verse just at the moment, but it's Micah 5, 2 is what they're quoting out of. Verse 7, Then Herod called for a private meeting with these wise men, and he learned from the time that the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child. Notice it doesn't say baby. It doesn't say, you know, swaddling clothes or anything like that for the child. And when you find him, come back to me and tell him so I can go worship him too. Of course, we know that was not Herod's plan. Verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east, look what it did. It guided them to Bethlehem, and look, it, that it is the star. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Now, there's a lot of people that believe that, you know, scientifically I found, you know, probably, you know, what the star was. And here's what I believe. Here's what I believe is that there was a physical phenomenon that initially um, brought the wise men to Jerusalem. This star, you know, brought them there, but I believe it followed with a supernatural event. How many times have you seen a star went? That's not a common aspect of what stars do. This star guided them, and it went ahead of them and stopped over the place. I believe that uh, this happened just like the cloud that guided the children of Israel or the fire by night that guided the children of Israel, that this star, it guided, and it went. It maybe started as a natural event, but I believe that guided indicates a supernatural event. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. 
They entered the house. No, they didn't. See, they didn't enter the stable. They didn't enter the manger. They entered the house and saw the child, not a baby, with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. And when they opened their treasure chest and gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I know many of us may be familiar with this story, but kind of to start off with, I want to talk about those three gifts, because those three gifts are very important. The first one was gold. Gold shows the kingship of Jesus. The gold represents the kingship of Jesus. It points to him being king, not lowercase king, but capital case king. Are you following me? Uh, it, it, it was a symbol of royalty. I mean, the scripture tells us uh, there's so many places. One is Revelation 19 that, you know, on his robe is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That is who Jesus is. They bowed down. They presented their, this gold to him to represent saying, you are the king. Not just king of the Jews, but you are the king. And I want to remind you of that this morning, that he is king. He is King Jesus. The second thing we see is frankincense, and frankincense shows the lordship of Jesus. So gold shows his royalty. Frankincense shows his lordship, his divinity. You see, even though he was a child, Jesus was still fully God. He was still fully divine. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. That word mean, is representing Jesus. So in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. That's his divinity. We see where Jesus and John, I preached about this uh, earlier in the year, but John chapter 8, he is telling a group of people, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham, he says something very important. Before Abraham was, I am. Does that remind anybody of, anybody of anything? That When God met with Moses through the burning bush, that's exactly who God said he was. I am. And Jesus makes the same declaration. Listen, Jesus is king and Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. But myrrh shows the sacrifice of Jesus. Myrrh shows the sacrifice of Jesus. It, it represented his humanity. If you go back and look throughout the New Testament of encounters, especially when Jesus was anointed with oil, um, that was actually myrrh. That was a, a something very significant showing that Jesus was going to Sacrifice. He was going to give himself. And John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen the glory, the glory of the only one from the Father. Listen, we know that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He had to be. It's not 50-50. He wasn't, he wasn't, it, was, it wasn't a by thing. He's 100% God, 100% man. And we find in the incarnation of Jesus... And we see that the smur, even here as a child, it was a symbol of one of the reasons that he came. We know the Bible says that, 
you know, that uh, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, but he also came, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, that Jesus was going to sacrificially give his life to be the last sacrifice that we would know complete forgiveness. And the only way that sacrifice works is that he's fully God and fully man. And so we see, so the gold represents his kingship, the frankincense, his lordship, the myrrh, his humanity, his sacrifice. But let's talk a moment about these wise men. So here's these wise men. They're coming from Persia. You know, they were first guided by Ashar. They go to Jerusalem. You know, Herod lies to them and says, hey, I want to worship the child too. And so, but they're, they're on a mission to find, they're seeking Jesus. And I don't, this is just kind of a little side note because I, I, the reason I wanted to point this out is because I think Scripture is absolutely amazing. And I believe Scripture is infallible. And I don't believe there's anything in there by chance. But as you know, we read in the Old Testament, the wise men were a, was a belief system that formed out of a prophecy given in Numbers. Did you know that? I want us to look at that verse right now. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. And what is happening here, well, I'll read the verse. This is a prophecy given. It says, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob, a scepter will emerge from Israel, it will crush the heads of Moab's people, cracking the skulls, you didn't know there was skull cracking in scripture, did you? Cracking the skulls of the people of Sheth. You got to be careful how you say that. Balak, so Balak, sorry, that just, just comes out, I'm sorry. I, you know, there are just things you got to be cautious on when you preach. Balak uh, was an ungodly king of Moab. And he was really, you know, so this is Moses coming, you know, the, the, they're coming out of bondage. And so Balak, he's an ungodly king of Moab. He's, he's seen what Israel's doing, just destroying everybody and their wake. And so he seeks out a diviner to cast a curse upon them. And that man was by the name of Balaam. And so Balaam, so here's Balaam. If you, you'll probably remember this about Balaam is that he's the one riding the donkey and he's kicking it because he's trying to get it to go. And the donkey turns around and starts talking to him. Does anybody remember that story in the scripture? So this is all happening at the same time. And so, but every time Balaam goes to curse the children of Israel, I mean, really, he's a prophet, but he's a prophet for hire. He's an evil man. And so uh, uh, Balak was going to reward him and pay him a lot. And so every time Balaam goes to curse the children of Israel, he can't do it. And he speaks blessing because you can't curse what God's already blessed. You can just put that in your pocket for a little bit later. That one was for free. You can't curse what God has blessed. And so he kept, he kept trying to speak out. And so and th this was one of the prophecies that came forward. And um, to me, it's just fascinating. And so, however it happened, there was a, a, something birthed out of that. And so it was not, it's just not like the, there was these wise men. They're like, oh, look, there's a star. Let's follow. 
That's not how it happened. They knew there was a prophecy given in the book of Numbers, of what we have in Numbers today. And so they had been watching. They had been waiting just like Israel had been waiting for the Messiah. They knew a king, a a, a divine king was going to be raised up. And so that's what sent them on their pursuit. And so even though Balaam's a a prophet and and the Lord used him, the Lord definitely used him in in this um, moment. And so let's talk just a minute about Balaam. Um. Peter identifies Balaam as one of the one loves the wages of wickedness. It's exactly what um, Peter writes about him. In Jude, you'll also find, Woe to them who run greedily after the error of Balaam for the reward. And so even Peter and Jude refer back to who Balaam is. But I want to talk about, just for a second, crush the forehead of Moab. That has a significant meaning. To crush the forehead of Moab means to destroy the boundaries. To destroy the boundaries. Did you know that Jesus destroyed very two significant boundaries? One, that the the veil to the holiest of holies was torn. Was torn open to allow access to God's presence. To be our relationship reconciled with the Father. But it's also a second thing. It is a barrier being broken to allow the Gentiles to come to faith. That's probably all of us in this room. If you are of Jewish descent, I, I, I may not know that, but... Probably most of us in here are. That's what allowed the barrier was shattered to allow us. Think about numbers who were far off to enter into the presence of the Lord. And there, we don't need somebody in between us and God. Jesus becomes that. There's not another man that becomes that. That is Jesus. And break down the sons of Sheph. This means specifically to bring peace. Think about that. To bring peace. Isn't that something that was told the shepherds? Didn't this last week we talked about the peace of God that transcends all understanding and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus? Isn't that what Jesus did? In Psalm 84, 2, it says... And so as I was thinking about this, I, you know, wise men still seek him. And, of course, you know, we can certainly say wise women, wise men and wise women, wise, wise people, wise humanity. I mean, we need to be hungry for the pursuit of the Lord. Just what made the wise men go on almost a year journey to find this child. The Bible says in Psalm 84 too, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. The scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, well then, what shall I do? Shall I pray in the spirit? And will I also pray with words I understand? I will sing in the spirit and I'll also sing in words I understand. Why am I using those two verses? Listen to me. 
when we are in the pursuit of the, of, the, of the Lord, of the presence of the Lord, that comes through worship. And when we worship, yes, Scripture tells us we worship in spirit and in truth. But I want to tell you, when you worship the Lord, it engages your spirit man that is at work within you, but it also engages your physical body. It engages your, there is a physical act of worship that we give. Another way that Psalm 82 says is that my, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. My heart, my spirit, man, my flesh cry out for the living God. The wise men express their worship by bringing these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They bowed down and they worshiped him. So what is our act of worship? How do we worship? One way we worship is by using our voices. One way we worship is by using our voices. And we can use our voices in declaration. In declaration, the Bible says, Psalm 34.1, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak. Everybody say speak. Speak. His praises. It is, it is something vocalized within us that we speak out using our voices. Listen to me. I know there's times that you can just kind of pray to yourself and, and, and pray in your heart, and the Lord hears that. He knows your heart, but listen to me. Worship is different. There are times where you need to physically speak out the declaration that God is good, that God is faithful. It's not something you hold in. It's not something you stand there with your hands in your pockets waiting for a few songs to get over. It's something we use our voice and we express. And get this, you don't have to have a song to do it. You don't have to be in church in a pew to do it. You don't have to have musicians and words on a song, to, uh, on a screen to do it. Psalm 96.3, publish his, uh, other translations, ESV, New King James says, declare his glorious deeds, NLT, publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell, is that speaking? That's not like imagining, is it? That's not thinking somebody's going to read your thoughts through osmosis. That's tell. Tell everyone about the amazing things that he does. And so we've got to declare that God is good. We, de- we speak out. We speak out. There's another way to worship the Lord. And I know if you have a hard time um, speaking out, you may have a hard time with this one, but did you know you can shout to the Lord? Amen. There's a, some of you that you do that pretty well. And that's a good thing. But we can shout to the Lord. Psalm 47, 1, come everybody, clap your hands, shout to God a joyful praise. We can even shout. It's okay. I know that there's other great fellowships and movements and brothers and sisters in Christ. They, I, I know that there's a lot more reserved places of worship. And what's important is we worship in spirit and truth. But I want to tell you, if you want to shout, it's okay to shout. It's okay to shout with a voice of triumph. And we go through and you see times where the Old Testament went in a battle first. And what were they doing? 
And the priests were going ahead of them, blowing their trumpets and praising God and shouting. There's even accounts in Scripture where their shouts to God caused the earth to shake. There's some of you, some of us, that possibly that the devil's gotten real comfortable and what he needs is a good shaking. I, I think it was a long time ago I shared this story. I'm sure that I have. But So I grew up in, a, I grew up in Big Lake, big, big town, big metropolis of Big Lake. And, um, you know, back in that day, you know, uh, in you know the '80s, I, you know you could you know you just could go you know parents were just like be home before dark you know type of thing. They even they didn't know where we were you know we were running down our blue jean cutoffs you know shirtless and shoeless and riding our bikes all over the neighborhood and well we big lake butts up right against on the on one side of it the Rocker B Ranch. You may have heard of the Rocker B Ranch. Anybody know the Rocker B Ranch? So what we would do is when we didn't have 50 cents to go to the swimming pool, we would ride our bikes to the city park and then jump the fence. And not about a mile away, there was a, 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 a windmill with a cement water trough for the cows. And we had our blow-up toys and everything, man. We'd go hiking in. And so we'd jump in those, and that water's so cold. It always, it always felt so good. And you could just float in your floaty and, you know, the pops coming in. I wouldn't, this is probably why, you know, well, just some things make you immune to COVID. And, uh, you know, you'd paddle up and just, you know, you'd get a drink of water from the, from the water well. It, anybody ever done anything? You remember those days? Man, I miss those days. But one time, so we're doing that and we're, we're tracking across and I'm sure that, uh, that probably is not the healthiest water to drink for the cow. I, don't, I mean, I don't know that kind of stuff. But I know one time we we're hiking, and we see this old beat-up ranch truck. I mean, dust going, coming across the pasture, flings a door open. Hey! We knew exactly what that hay meant. <laughs> and we turned tail and ran the other way. Sometimes the devil just needs a big old, hey, devil, not in my house. Not in my house, not in my family, not in my city, not in my job. Sometimes what we need to do is just shout. And there's also singing. Singing, using our voices and singing. I know I talked about this some last week, but Psalm 47, 6, sing praises to God. Sing praises, sing praises to our King. Sing praises. You need to sing. It does, listen to me. God doesn't care if you can't carry a, carry a tune in the bucket. He's one that fashioned you and formed you, and he's one that puts a song in our hearts. The second way that we worship is by using our posture. Is by using our posture. One way that we use our posture is bowing. Is bowing. And I don't know if you've ever done that or seen it done. I, you know, sometimes, you, I, matter of fact, I mean, not to draw attention to him, but I think it was last week, Chase was up here, part of the worship team, and he did. He knelt down and, and bowed down, and that's simply just showing your posture to the Lord because that's exactly what the wise men did. They came and they brought their gifts, and they, they bowed and they, they worshiped him. 
There's something about bowing down in the presence of the Lord and to give him worship. There's something that says, you know what, there's, there's nothing that compares to you. Jesus, there's nothing. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I come to you completely and I yield myself completely and I lay myself down before you and I worship you. There's something holy and special about those moments. There's also standing, which we do um, obviously, many times when we're worshiping, and there, you know, there's people that have asked so many times, maybe somebody with not just a, maybe a familiar church background, and they're like, why are you standing through all the songs? Been, and one of the reasons is, is because it's scriptural to stand in the presence of the Lord. But Psalm 119, 120, I tremble in fear of you. I stand in awe of your regulations. Anytime in the Old Testament where they would read the law or read scripture, they would stand for the entire reading. Matter of fact, I was thinking when we first came here years ago, um, uh, I, I, can't, I don't know why or when we just kind of stopped doing it, but I'll always have you stand and honor the reading of God's word. There is something about standing in the presence of God, and I think it's saying, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever you want to do. I'm ready for whatever you want to do in my life. I'm ready to go. There's also dancing. Yes, I said it. You can dance. Psalm 149.3, praise his name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine. Well, you have to fill out an application for the tambourine. I'm just saying. Dance, dance is, so dance, if you want to play the tambourine, dance first and then we'll talk. You know, I, I remember when I, in my life, you know, it, it shifted and, you know, I got on fire for the Lord. That was kind of the season in the church, you know. I mean, we would kind of all really bum rush the front of churches, you know, and worship, and we would, we would jump. And, and my generation got a lot of criticism for doing that because they're like, well, that ain't in the spirit. Well, did you, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, it is okay to dance for the Lord even if it's not just by the Holy Spirit giving you that unction. You know why? Because my spirit and my flesh cry out for the living God. If I can clap, if I can shout, if I can raise my hands, I can move a little bit. I can move a little bit. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, um, we were at a church, I was on staff, and, and, I, and this has always been our mantra, our value here. I Listen, I... And, I may should say within reason, but listen, I, I've always said, you don't make the fun the way that I worship, and I won't make fun the way that you worship. Let's just, let's just worship. And I, I mean, I, I, have, I have seen a lot. I don't, I don't know what you've seen, but I traveled for a long time, and I saw all kinds. I've seen, I've seen the flags going. I've seen painters painting uh, in, in their worship. I have seen, I, I, I've seen uh a ballerina in a ballerie outfit. I really have. And she was twirling, doing her thing. And I was on staff at this church, and the pastor came to me and said, Hey, listen, would you go talk to her? I don't care if she does that, just do it in the back. You know? I was like, Okay. Because what worship is not about is drawing attention to me. 
That's the qualifier. I'm exalting him and worshiping him. There's also using our hands, using our hands, playing instruments. You know, we have our musicians up here, and I would encourage any student, anybody, anybody uh, elementary, ever in, in, in high school, whatever, junior high, if you are, possibly can learn an instrument. If, if there's a regret that I have, you know, my mom, I mean, she tried to get me to take piano lessons, and I tried, I really did. And if there's a regret that I have is that I didn't take it serious, I didn't follow through with it, but it was so hard because my piano lessons were at the same time of MacGyver. I, I, and I'm not even joking. I had such, I was like, Mom, it's MacGyver. And that's like before we could record stuff on the Curtis Mathis, you know what I mean? Some of you, you know, when you were dad's remote control person? And, and, and really, it's MacGyver's fault, the reason why I can't play the piano. I, but I, I, I kind of want to speak this very quickly, something else about that. You know, we, we go to conferences, and we go to places, and places like Gateway, you know. And, and just so you know, I mean, churches of size, you know, I'm talking 1,000, 5,000, 10,000. Usually, if not all, a lot of the worship team is professional musicians. That's why they can crank out the CDs and the digital downloads and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'm going to tell you, I think our team is second to none. We may not be putting out the CDs. We may, we may not be on Gateway or whoever's platform or or elevation worship, or whatever it is, but I'm going to tell you that it, that's not what it's about. Whatever is happening up here, it's meant to help us to come into God's presence. And so there's also clapping is something we do with our hands. The Bible says, Psalm 47.1, come everyone clap your hands, and it says, remember we just read this a while ago, Shout to God with a joyful praise. It's okay to clap. Listen, sometimes, and I've wanted to say this forever. Will you forgive me? Sometimes you guys start clapping, and it's like. It's okay. Man, if you're going to clap, clap. Because you're doing it for the Lord. You're not clapping because somebody didn't start clapping with you. Listen, if you start clapping and mean it, it's going to spur other people to start clapping. And there's something about that clap when we worship the Lord that he's responsive to. There's also the raising of hands. Psalm 63, 4, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting my hands to you in prayer. There is a something about that surrender. So listen, I am sharing all of this with you because I want something to transform in you. If your relationship with the Lord has become stagnant or stale or you don't get it or however you're... Pro- listen, when worship times happen, if you will use your voice and you will use your posture and you will use your hands, I'm going to tell you something. The God of the universe will meet you right where you are. Because that's what it's about. Listen, just very quickly in closing, God wants a personal encounter with you. And I think we forget that sometimes. God wants a personal encounter with you. 
I, there's been so many times people especially that come from an unchurched background when they first experience God's presence I cannot tell you how many times that it's happened in here they just walk in through the door and immediately they start crying why because they are meeting God they're experiencing God's presence for the very first time in their life and if that's what it's like for them we should not lose the awe of the presence of God so many times, it's not that God's not in a house anymore or in a place anymore or not moving anymore. It's that we have lost the awe of the presence of God. God wants to encounter us. And there's, yes, there's, and, and when we encounter God, there sometimes is a physical and spiritual response to that. You know, the, we get the goosebumps on the goosebumps, or we cry, or we shout, or we leap, or we dance, or we, or we bow down, or we prostrate fall, whatever it may be, God wants to encounter you. The second thing is this, is the intensity, listen very carefully, the intensity of God's presence is not determined by your circumstance. Our, we allow our circumstance to cloud the intensity of God's presence. Because let's be real, when we're in the middle of the fight, when we're in the middle of the difficulty, sometimes it's hard to feel the presence of the Lord. But see, He made a promise and I know we quote this stuff all the time, but it is, it is, a, it is a, 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 a rock of our foundation that he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. Even when you don't feel it, God is there. God is there. And I know there's times where we're overwhelmed of, of his presence. We're just, oh, it's just like being saturated. And, and those are wonderful, special moments that we can just drink in. But I want you to know, even in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, you can know God's presence. He promised that my staff, they, they comfort you. I am there with you when we read the 23rd Psalm. And the last thing is this, our level of submission, listen, this is so important, our level of submission to God's will and purpose for our lives can and, can and will determine our awareness of God's presence. Listen, if you're in willful rebellion, it is difficult to experience the presence of God. It is difficult to experience the presence of God. If you want his presence to be fresh and new, remember like the Bible says, repent, then times of refreshing will come from the Lord. And so it's like you, you've tried to jump through all the hoops, you try to do the, all the to-dos, and it's like the presence still seems void in you, then maybe you, we should do a deeper heart search and say, okay, Lord, is there an area of my life where I have not been submissive? Is there an area of my life where I'm in rebellion? Is there something I'm holding back? Because listen, what I have found is every time that I've prayed that prayer, I think he wants to show us more than what we want to know it. Because he's, he, you, it takes us back to the first thing that God wants to have an encounter with you. So do not let anything to keep him from that encounter with you.
I want you to stand this morning if you would. I hope that this podcast was a blessing to you. Remember, if you want more information about us, go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. God bless you.